Hi, my name is Amy Honorado, the Special Projects Editor here at DMN, and you're listening to another one of our one-on-one podcasts. I'm here today with Janet Kaminos. She's the CEO at Spotted, a celebrity intelligence platform. So say hi, Janet. Hi, nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and today we're going to talk a little bit about celebrities and influencer marketing. So there's been a lot of um, kind of conversation around the best practices for influencer marketing. It's a fairly new sort of practice with it really just kind of coming up over the last couple of years. And, you know, we've seen the rise of these larger celebrity influencers, and Kim Kardashian is probably one of the bigger ones, people with millions and millions of followers, even on YouTube with the rise of the YouTube stars. So it really is this trend that marketers are kind of looking into and, and trying to figure out how to navigate. So, you know, you've been in the in the space for, for quite a while, and, and I kind of wanted to start off by asking you, you know, what have you kind of noticed about how influencer marketing has changed and how it's grown and, and what people are, are really should be focusing on now? Yeah, definitely. So we, um, you know, we, we technically consider ourselves part of the, the celebrity endorsement space, more a little bit more so than influencer marketing. Um, and so yeah, just to give you a little bit of context, so our business, basically, we have a suite of solu- a suite of tools that help brand marketers make smarter, safer celebrity endorsement decisions. So And larger celebrity decisions like who do I cast into my holiday campaign or who do I choose as kind of the face of this new product that we're unrolling. Um, so, uh, you know, we, a lot of our clients are activating both celebrity endorsement and influencer marketing campaigns. Um, Really kind of where our uh, solution starts and stops is with celebrity talent. We analyze roughly 10,000 people globally. Um, The majority of these are kind of up and coming folks. Only a couple hundred of them are A-listers. But, you know, the the division at the brand that we're typically dealing with is typically like the CMO or the C-suite marketing folks. Um, and there's a little bit of a misperception out there that brands have been pulling budget away from celebrity endorsement and applying it to influencer marketing. And that's just not what we're seeing. Uh, we are actually seeing brands uh, invest more and more quarter over quarter, year over year in endorsement, in addition to growing the budgets that they're dedicating to influencer marketing. But really, they're two separate teams within the brand. Um, Endorsement is typically covered by like the CMO, the VP of marketing, the head of brand marketing, the head of consumer marketing, whereas influencer marketing is typically handled by the influencer marketing team or the social team, sometimes the PR team. Um, and uh, and so they are, they're two separate budgets, two very separate strategies. Influencer marketing um, typically relies on the influencer themselves to post the content, uh, which is why influencer marketers tend to look at things like how many followers do they have and what's the influencer engagement rate Um, but on the endorsement side it's a lot more about the celebrities kind of relevance and fame level um, which may or may not be correlated to how many followers they have you know there are a lot of very famous people who make for great celebrity endorsers who don't even have social followings so it's they're they're you know the way that we think about that a brand thinks about these things are very very different yeah it could be easy I guess to kind of confuse the two or convolute the two especially with social media kind of playing yeah. a larger role. Yeah. But going back to I guess the the celebrity aspects of it, it's really yeah. about if you're if you're choosing the right celebrities, yeah. having that the alignment kind of match and make sense. Yes. 
So how does data kind of play a role in that? Yeah, it's really interesting. So we took a uh, we took a look at some of the bigger endorsement deals of 2017, and frankly, a lot of these decisions were you know decisions that our platform would not have recommended. So I'll give you a couple couple um, kind of uh, tactical examples. So uh, so. Lady Gaga for Tiffany's, you know, they signed a multi-million dollar multi-year deal with her. Clearly they chose her because they were, you know, they're trying to appeal to a younger set of consumers. Um, and I think they also may have chosen her because uh, she had just wrapped up that big campaign with Tony Bennett. And so maybe they thought that her ethos kind of matched the ethos of the Tiffany's brand a little bit more when they signed her than she is today. Um, but, you know, in, in our platform, when we look at Lady Gaga's overall audience data, a, a very significant portion of her global, global audience has a household income of under $50,000 and they could never afford Tiffany's. So that's not necessarily someone we would have recommended for that brand. Um, even if they are trying to appeal to a younger set of consumers, there are hundreds and hundreds of, of big celebrities on our platform who would have been a better choice. Um, another good example is the Aston Martin brand and their endorsement of Tom Brady. Um, so Aston Martin is very focused on kind of growing their, their market share in the year European and Asian markets, and yet more than 80% of Tom Brady's global audience is concentrated in, in the United States. So perhaps not the best choice if they're looking for someone with global relevance. Right. So it, it sounds really like it's about understanding the customer mm -hmm. rather than kind of going and, and talking amongst what the company would want. Yes. So yes, yes. it's how do you how should marketers maybe shift that approach or, or maybe even go up to you know the CMO or, yeah. or the C-suite and say hey even if you want this this may not be the best for our audience yes. so that could be a difficult kind of back and forth yeah I mean you basically you have to consider both so you know you don't want to dismiss the brand ethos so you want to pick a celebrity whose kind of personality and persona matches that of the brands um, but you also need to you need to keep in mind, okay, who, who are the consumers that the celebrity appeals to? And are those consumers the types of consumers who are going to buy our product or who we want to attract to our brand? Um, and so in Spotted, one of the, the cool things you can do is you as a brand uh, or an agency on behalf of a brand, you can input all this information around, okay, who are the, who are the celebrities who, are, who come to mind who you think really embody your brand? Um, you know, we have, we have more than 50 attributes you can choose from. Are these celebrities, you know, are they fitness friendly? Are they moms? Are they provocative? Are they edgy? Are they urban? Are they sophisticated? Um, so you set all the criteria around what you care about in, in, a, in a celebrity, and then you set all the criteria for your, for your consumers. So you're saying, okay, you know, if I'm a brand like Pantene, for example, I am targeting primarily female consumers. I'm really focused on Gen Z and Gen Y, so that young, those younger sets of consumers. And I'm really focused on the LA, New York, and Miami markets. You can set all that up, and then Spotted is going to generate data-driven recommendations of celebrities who match that exact that criteria on the celebrity side, but who appeal to consumers that match the brand's criteria on the consumer side as well. Is there room for uh, discovery? So say, you know, you're Pantene and yep. you want to get out of the box and you want to start targeting a new audience or, yes. or getting new people kind of tuned into your, to your yes. brand. That means taking a risk almost with yeah. the types of people that you were looking for for endorsements. Yes. So how yep. would you kind of think about that to make sure you're doing it right 
while also kind of making a stretch that way. Yes, definitely. No, it's a good point. And any kind of mass market brand, they're going to have a core audience and then they're going to have a bunch of secondary audiences. So for our larger customers, like, you know, Fortune 100 brands, for example, they typically have a core audience of people. So maybe it's, you know, males age 25 to 40, and then they have a half dozen other kind of tertiary audiences. So maybe it's like, you know, single professional women or teenagers or moms. Um, and so they have the ability to set up those those secondary audiences in our platform and then we can generate data-driven recommendations of celebrity talent that's going to specifically appeal to each of those consumer segments. I think there are also, and you have to think about the other side of this too, you know, when it does fall flat, mm-hmm. sometimes it falls flat, mm-hmm. you know, it may not, you may not get the right ROI, but mm-hmm. sometimes it becomes a public-facing thing. If mm-hmm. we think back to I guess the most notorious example recently was the Kylie Jenner Pepsi commercial. Kendall Kendall Pepsi, yeah. 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 Um, Not a good one. (laughs) Yeah, and so how do you maneuver something like that where it falls flat, it's very public, and it um, it, kind of gets, you have to kind of work yourself backwards and kind of make that that up and make that brand. Yeah, I've, so I've put out a bunch of press in the last couple of weeks on a playbook that I've written on uh, the, the primary risks of endorsement and how to mitigate them. And the reality is, like, br- brands understand that, that A-list celebrity endorsers can be very about valuable to their brands. In fact, you know, HBS has written a number of case studies on the fact that for publicly traded companies who engage in endorsement, their, their stock price goes up by an average of 2.5% in the 12 months following that endorsement. So there is, like, there's a pretty strong correlation. Um, But there are also some serious risks. And I kind of see three primary risks with endorsement. There's, uh, There's the risk that um, that the the content is offensive, which is what happened with Kendall and Pepsi. People perceive that content as as, as being kind of racist. Um, there is uh, the risk that the celebrity does something stupid throughout the duration of the agreement, and um, there are some things you can do to mitigate that risk. Um, so so the first risk in terms of like the offensive content, I think that was one of the few campaigns that Pepsi ran in 2017 that where they didn't use Millward Brown to do testing on their media before they put it live, um, and it backfired. Um, so this, the, the second risk um, that the celebrity is gonna do something bad uh, during the endorsement deal, you can look at the celebrity's kind of past behavior as a predictor of their future behavior. And if they have, uh, it's it's actually one of the things that we can do is we have a report. It's almost like a, think of it as like Carfax for endorsement. So we have a report where we're going to surface any red flags or controversies from the celebrity's past before you make a multi-million dollar investment in the celebrity. So we can surface things like, have they had feuds with other celebrities on social? Uh, what's their arrest history? Have they had drug or alcohol related incidents? Have they had leaked photos, infidelity, et cetera? Um, and there are legal clauses that you can put into your endorsement agreement um, based on past behavior um, that mitigate your risk at, throughout the course of the endorsement. And then the third biggest risk is that you pick the wrong endorser. And this happens all the time because, um, so I, you know, and I, I, was, I was telling you this earlier, like I spent a good chunk of 2017, I interviewed more than 30 CMOs and I got resounding feedback from them that really the, the primary reasons why they were choosing celebrities as endorsers were because they either had a pre-existing relationship with the talent or their agency did. Um, the CMO had an affinity for that celebrity or the CMO's child had an affinity for that celebrity. So um, these are 
are not great reasons to be striking multi-million dollar multi-year agreements with talent um, and that's uh, that is absolutely that's like exactly what our platform solves for that third risk yeah and kind of going back to what you were saying about making an investment mm. so is there I mean budget is absolutely part of making a decision on, on selecting an endorser like you have to you have to make sure that you have the budget to afford somebody yeah that that's that's big yeah. so like how are how do people kind of think about yeah. how they're allocating these budgets and what they should be keeping in mind when kind of targeting the right people yeah so what we're hearing from our customers across the board is like the, the celebrity talent who used to you know, uh, kind of hawk their pro- promote their products for free and attend their events for free five years ago have now become very, very expensive. Like talent across the board has become more and more expensive over the last five to 10 years. And so a lot of our clients, especially kind of mid-sized brands, we hear them and we see them in the platform, they actually like uncheck the, the A-list uh, category and they say just give me recommendations of celebrities who are like one tier below that or up and comers who are gaining the most momentum and what we're seeing in the endorsement space is there are a lot of brands especially brands in the athletic wear category like Under Armour is a great example of this um, they did a really good job investing in talent before they turned into big stars people like Steph Curry and Jordan Spieth you know before before they you know before way before jo- Jordan Spieth won won his first Masters Under Armour had already struck a multi-year you know, year deal with him. And so we see a lot of brands coming to us and saying, hey, can you get us on the same path that Under Armour is on, where, where you're helping us uncover the talent that's going to help us maximize our budgets before they turn into big stars. So it's a yeah. lot of kind of being preemptive yes. and being ahead of the curve yes. and doing that research and understanding your market to kind of put everything together and plan ahead that yes. way. Yeah. Speaking of a planning ahead you know where do you think that this is going this is a very kind of interesting space that we're in right now so do you have any sort of advice on on what marketers can be thinking about if they're looking to enter this or or grow their programs yeah I think you you don't want to necessarily look to past metrics you want to you want to invest in more predictive analytics and so I'll give you an example a lot of brands will tell us that they look at static numbers like how many Instagram followers does a celebrity have when they're making a, a large endorsement decision and that is a very poor metric to look at because if you're looking at someone like Kate Hudson, she gained the majority of her followers 10 years ago when she started in Almost Famous. And, and it's really difficult if you have two celebrities who both have like 15 million Instagram followers, one could have gained those followers a decade ago and the, and the other is highly relevant today. And so we've invested a lot in very rich data that helps you understand what is the celebrity's current relevance. We're looking at things like, okay, how much of their social audience has grown over the last 90 days? What, what are the search volumes for them online? How many people are visiting their Wikipedia page? And that those metrics are going to tell us if there's a lot of consumer interest around the celebrity talent today or, if, or, or maybe there isn't. Um, so that's one thing. And the second thing is um, looking at momentum, um, a lot of brands come to us, again, to help us kind of predict up-and-coming talent. And so we are looking at things like sentiment and momentum, um, and uh, and we'll often uh, alert brands when there's a celebrity who comes on our radar who has a very high spotted match score with that brand who's gaining serious momentum. And, like, you know, they're adding hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people to their social accounts on, an, on a monthly basis. There's a lot of new search traffic for them on online, they're coming on our radar, we alert the brand, and the brand will often strike, strike deals with that talent. Yeah, so get yeah. in at the, it's, yes. it's not about the number, it's about the it's rate. Mo- it's moment. about the momentum, yeah. 
That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of it's a lot of really good knowledge to mm-hmm. really think about and kind of reimagine the way that we consider followers and numbers and yeah. engagement that way. Yeah, don't look at static numbers. Um, you know, another thing is, you know, Q score, which is kind of the, I guess, we, the closest thing to spotted, but, you know, it's, I think brands stopped using it four or five years ago. Um, it's, it's static. Don't look at static numbers. Don't look at past numbers. Look at, uh, look at things like momentum and growth. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much for, uh, for joining us today. This is great, a lot to think about. And uh, for those of you uh, listening, this has been another one of our DMN 101 podcasts. We'll see you guys next week.